This is Passing for Normal, conversations about change. That means conversations about hope, innovation, transformation, courage, activism, and being on the cutting edge. I'm your host, Sharon Weil, and here I speak with fascinating, pioneering change makers across many different fields. We talk about how to make change, meet change, and find the courage to create change in your life and in the larger world around you. Bringing new ideas into the mainstream? That's Passing for Normal. Hello and welcome to Passing for Normal, where my guest today is financial stress reduction author, speaker, and coach, Chelly Campbell. Chelly Campbell not only teaches you how to manage your finances, set and meet financial goals, but really how to change your mindset around all the messages we carry about money, whether you have none of it or tons of it. Chelly teaches her popular financial stress reduction workshops to participants all over the country. Her books, The Wealthy Spirit, Daily Affirmations for Stress Reduction, Zero to Zillionaire, Eight Foolproof Steps to Financial Peace of Mind, and From Worry to Wealthy, A Woman's Guide to Success Without Stress, have all won awards and acclaim. She has helped so many find financial peace and prosperity. She is engaging, entertaining, and from what I can see, passing for normal very well. Welcome, Jelly. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm kind of normal, but not too much. Well, no, and you know, and my definition of passing for normal is those of us who are slipping outsider ideas into the mainstream. There you go. I like that. Yeah. I remember I did a, a performance of the Fantastics. And at one point, the lead, Louisa, says, please, God, please, don't let me be normal. Yeah, right. I always kind of related to that. Right. But, you know, there is, there is value in it. You know, there is value in, in dressing the part, in appearing the part, so that you can bring these ideas that may not be mainstream into the mainstream. And I feel like that is some of what you're doing in how you approach helping people find um, financial success and less stress. Yes, I don't do the suit and the high heel thing. I'll do the the blazer jacket, mm-hmm. but I will have on my gold tennis shoes always because I made that my brand, so I could always legitimately do it. Although I have to tell you, there was a very funny episode where I was invited to speak downtown L.A. at the Jonathan Club, which is very, very she-she corporate, all of that. And I got out of my car with my tennis shoes, and the man opening the door looked at me, and he said, I'm sorry, you can't come in. Oh, really? And I said, what? (laughs) He said, we have a dress code. And I said, yes. Because, I mean, I just wear gold tennis shoes all the time for years, so I have no idea what the problem is. And he says, well, the dress code's right there. Number one was no tennis shoes. And I went, oh, no tennis shoes. But you know they mean dirty old gym shoes that people have been wearing at the gym. They don't, these are gold. They have diamonds on them. And he shook his head. I said, uh, I'm the speaker tonight. And he went, Uh Uh-oh. He said, don't you have any other shoes? I said, no. He goes, well, okay, but hurry. (laughs) (laughs) He wanted me out of his location right away, so I, like, ran across the lobby into the elevator. (laughs) 
And that, but that's, that's, that's kind of the point. It's like, you know, so many people need, need us to package ourselves in a certain way or need to be framed in a certain way. And certainly kind of leads us into our conversation here about money and about relationship Mm -hmm. to money and change is that, you know, people's uh, financial success doesn't have to all look the same, right? Oh, God, for sure. It does not look the same for everybody. And one of the things that I think is a problem in society with everybody trying to be normal and follow the rules and everything is everybody marks in lockstep and tries to achieve goals that really aren't the right goals for their happiness anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's like when I started my financial stress reduction workshop series, it's two hours a week for eight weeks. And I designed it that way because I knew that an eight-week program produced results because I had taken some and watched people do it. Whereas the weekend seminar, you get 300 things you should take action on, and two days after the workshop, you're going, what was I supposed to do and in what order? And people don't do any of it. So, but the, when I started, Tony Robbins had an infomercial running 24-7 on cable. And he had a thousand people all high-fiving each other, and he was dancing in front of the room, and I went, oh, that is not my picture. (laughs) (laughs) I had been a musical comedy actress. I did the dancing in front of the room thing, and I didn't want any more of that. What I wanted... See, what I love most about acting, later discovery, mind you, is that the part I loved the most was rehearsal, mm-hmm. was making it up, mm-hmm. was working with a small team of creative people who were putting on a, a show or inventing a theater piece. And then once you got into putting on the performance and doing endless repetitions of it, oh, I was never more bored in my life than then. Hmm. Yeah. So the creation of it, the creation of it. And yeah. yeah. And the interaction. And so that's what I like about my classes is it's so I keep it to a small group and it's very interactive and people share a lot and talk about what about this and what about that. So we really move people to the places they want to go, which is really fun. That's great. So your work is a lot about relieving the stress of financial concerns. But financial stress isn't necessarily related to the amount of money that you have in the bank, right? No, no. I, you know, people think, oh, well, you're dealing with people who are broke. And I go, no, um, not exactly. I have people in my classes who've been making a million dollars a year, 700000 a year, and they're stressed too. The problem is that if your habit pattern with money is to spend more than you make, it won't matter how much you make. You'll always spend more than that. So I'm dealing a lot with psychology and habit patterns that are built in, that are repetition, that you haven't really examined, perhaps, to see what it is that drives you so that you can make a switch. Right, and it, you know, in reading, um, I've, I've had a chance to read your, um, the, uh, the Wealthy Spirit Affirmations book, and um, mm-hmm. it's apparent that you have done a lot of your own 
personal transformation work that you're drawing a lot on that in what you share with people about how to make their own uh, changes and breaking habits. Am I right? Oh, yeah. I always tell everybody that I've like road tested every mistake first so I can tell you not to do it. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's part of life is, is to me, I was always a risk taker. I always wanted to try out things. I wanted to go, oh, that looks like a good idea. Let's go do it. And then figure out what worked and what didn't work about it. And then switch again and change it up. And I, I just want to see all the things that are possible and available. So that means I mean, you can never become a success without having a bunch of failures along the way because you're going to try stuff that doesn't work. Even if it's a wonderful idea, it might not be the right timing or you might not be with the right partners or whatever, whatever. Yeah, I really, yeah, I was just going to say that I feel that failure gives us some of the best feedback we can have about some, oh, whether you're on track or not, right? Well, you don't grow from the success. You just go, well, that worked. That's what I expected. Okay, let's do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, it, when, when you crash and burn, you kind of go, okay, was this my fault? Do I need to do something differently? Or was I talking to the wrong people? Or And throughout life, you get those kinds of lessons, and you start adjusting. Like I started figuring out what kinds of people are good for me. And um, I laughingly call them sharks and tuna. And the dolphins are the people that I want to be with, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They look happy, they swim in schools, they communicate, they look like they're smiling. And then sharks are eating machines, and if you're going to, they see the whole world as food. So if you're swimming with them, prepare to get eaten. Mm-hmm. And the tuna are the food for the sharks. They are getting eaten, and they're swimming around blissfully and aware that the blood in the water is there. So I always tell people I'm a tuna in recovery. That's how I know. (laughs) (laughs) Tuna in recovery, hanging out with the dolphins. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And avoiding the sharks. I have a a dolphin training program that I tested myself first. (laughs) So you know it works. Well, people would just warn you who they are. You know, Oprah always says that. Um, I think she's quoting Maya Angelou, who said, when people show you who they are, believe them the first time. So That's right. Yeah. And I, I feel like people will tell you who they are in the first three minutes of meeting them. They do. And then, and then you can, but then you can conveniently forget about it. Like you can forget what they told you and then and then over the relationship you get reminded oh yeah they did say that didn't they uh-huh. they did tell me that. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> i remember once going to a meeting a networking meeting and there was a man who was new who was a guest and he was a financial planner okay well i teach about money so i thought he'll be a good referral source i can refer business to him and vice versa so i went over to introduce myself and said glad you could come to the meeting this morning and he said yeah i'm glad i could come to the breakfast too the dinners are way too expensive right now okay 
That is not what I want to hear from somebody who's going to be making you money. I mean, maybe he thinks he's showing his frugality, but to me, it just sort of looks cheap. But I tried to save him. I said, yeah, yeah, the dinners are more expensive, but, you know, it's so worth it because I get so much business here. It's really great. He goes, yeah, but they've jacked up the price so much, you know they're making a huge profit on the dinners. I certainly don't want to be contributing to the profit of the organization. And then I knew for sure, dark. Yeah. You know. So I just said, Well, thank you for coming. He was later, about six months later, he was kicked out of the organization for making a sexual remark about a woman member. Uh huh. Yeah. So, hello. Yeah, so. Just proved my point. Proved your point, yes. So let's let's uh, dig down a little bit into, into how you work and how you work with with people. So on the one hand, in your workshops, I'm sure that you do some very practical steps in helping people make a budget and figure out you know how they spend their time vis-a-vis their money. But then yeah. there's also this whole aspect of affirmations that you that you bring forward. And so can you talk about that? Yes, I totally believe in the power of positive thinking. I was introduced to that when I was a kid. My dad gave me a copy of uh, Maxwell Maltz's um, Psycho-Cybernetics. Mm-hmm. And, and Mom gave me a copy of Florence Shin's uh, The Game of Life and How to Play It which had a lot of positive thinking. And positive thinking was just endemic in my household growing up. It was always look on the bright side of stuff. So it kind of became one of my default habits. But then when bad things would happen, you know, I'd go off the deep end or whatever. But then in studying affirmations, where I, I just saw that it worked to be looking at the positive you're going to take more risks. You're going to take more chances. You're going to try more things, which means you're going to have more success. Because otherwise, I just get real practical about the whole thing. Does something work or not work? And is it demonstrable? So to me, I could demonstrate that when I thought more positively about money, better things happen. And I do this test with every class I begin. You know, I just ask people to tell me their thoughts about money. First, I'll ask, did anybody take a class on how to make or manage money when they were growing up? And virtually nobody. I would say it's like 0.5% of the people that I ask that question will say, yeah, I took a class. It's not, financial literacy is not taught in our school system. So I just always wonder, you know, who is it that wants us to not understand money and be broke all our lives? Mm-hmm. You know, it's really not good. So one of the first steps was I, when I ask people what their thoughts about money are, they start reading off a whole bunch of things that because they weren't trained in any particular way, they just picked it up from mom and dad and from the media. And so the things are like, you're going to be old and broke and not be able to afford your medicine. Uh, Money doesn't grow on trees. Money is the root of all the evil. You could never be too rich or too thin. I mean, just a whole lot of negative stuff. And then I'll just say, so 
Is this positive or negative? You feel the energy of the room now? Oh, yeah, it's so negative. I said, well, in order to start having positive experiences, this is basic law of attraction. And if you're not woo-woo metaphysical in some way, at least be practical about it. <laughs> that if you go to a job interview and you think, I love this position, they're going to love me, I'm perfect for this job, I'm going to prove myself, and and you're going to have a better experience. And like my ex-husband, who was an actor, he used to go on auditions and go, those assholes aren't going to they're not going to hire me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Right. So, so I just saw I need to devise better sayings for people to start repeating because the average person has 60,000 thoughts in their head every day. And 95%, they've done studies on this, 95% of the thoughts you think every day are the same thoughts you thought yesterday. Not a whole lot of new stuff going on. It's just endless repetition. Mm -hmm. So every time we hear the word money, if we go, money doesn't grow on trees, we're going to look depleted and not happy. So I started saying people love to give me money. Money is fun. I am rich and wonderful. So I started making up affirmations like that so that when anybody said anything financial, I would smile and perk up. People notice that. And dolphins are attracted to that energy. Sharks and tuna go away from that. See, tuna want to want to moan and complain and whine about it all. So you got to kind of avoid those people because they'll bring you down. Or sometimes you can change their mind and you can bring them up. So it's up to you to maintain that imagery. But I tell everybody, you got to start with affirmations and do them all the time. And I've had amazing success with the affirmations that I give people. I have them for free on my website. So mm-hmm. you can download my fabulous 14 Abundance Affirmations and start saying them. And the sillier you feel saying them out loud, just yourself alone in your room, the sillier you feel about that is a warning sign that you really need to be doing them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because <clears throat> yes. you're, really yes. you're really in a loop. You're really in a habit. It's a, it's a foreign thing to be... To be saying. And it depletes your energy to be thinking negatively about money. And that's the problem that people have in trying to make more. Or, you know, the, the media bombards us all the time with lack and limitation messages about money. Because we're not taught in our school system, but where do we get our information? From the media, from television commercials, radio, online ads. And all we hear from are the banks. Insurance companies, real estate professionals, and stockbrokers, financial planners who want to tell you you're going to be broke if you don't invest your money with them, right? Right. I tell people retirement is not a goal. It's only a goal if you're working at a job you don't like. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're overworked. You can even work at a job you like, but if you're working 68 hours a week, you're not going to like it. And you're not going to be able to wait till you can retire and do what you want. That's right. So but what I is the so what is the do goal? Do what you want now. Yeah. <laughs> you want everyone to 
retire. You just keep making money. That's right. That's right. So, so much, it sounds like so much of what you're training people is abundance training and setting authentic goals that then are supported by the money that you earn. Yeah. Well, the, the abundance affirmations is like, you know, uh, 25% of class one of an eight-week, two-hours-a-week series, right? Mm-hmm. So that's just a given. That's just like brushing your teeth in the morning or getting dressed. That's what you have to be doing. And you have to guard throughout the day. You have to watch your thinking. When you start thinking something negative, you got to go, let's switch it up. Let's think positive about this. So then from there, then it's about... Deciding what you want from this big banquet called life and making tracks to get it. Now, that's the second piece. The law of attraction is first, and then the law of action is second. Mm -hmm, so yes. the people that just want to do affirmations and expect all the money in the world to follow them, they might just go, well, how many affirmations would you have to say in front of the piano before you could play it? <laughs> Okay, that sort of makes it clear that you got to do some work in the physical world. Yes. And most of the money is made from serving other people on the planet, right? Ooh, so talk more about that. Well, we're all serving people. We're all here to provide services or goods or ideas or writings or whatever it is we do that other people will buy. So I have a class that people buy, I have individual coaching calls that people buy, I have books that people buy. So, and now I certify and license other people uh, to be financial stress reduction coaches and use all my material, my workbook and everything like that. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing I sell. But it's all serving people. The reason I make money is because they learn something, and their life is better afterwards, right? Mm -hmm. I give a money-back guarantee. I've always done that because I want you to win. I'm dedicated to your success. And so if you don't win from doing these things, I don't want you to think that I was just out for the money. Nobody ever says that to me because I give the money back at the end if they don't win. Now, there's small prints that says you got to do the homework. You know, you got to right. try these things. you got to do your affirmations <laughs> every day. And, but if they do everything and they get to the end and they're not better off, I give them a refund. Well, that's, you know, that speaks to, one, your integrity, but also the belief in how, how well um, your approach works. I know it works. Yeah. I've seen it work for 29 years. Mm -hmm. I've seen people do amazing, at the very first class that happened, I had no idea. I owned a bookkeeping service at the time, and I could see that my bookkeeping clients couldn't read the financial statements I gave them. But I could read them, I could see where their business had a problem, I could see what line of profit they had, where it didn't work in certain areas and it worked really good in another line of business. So I started sharing with my clients about those things. And uh, three people in the same week, you know, you should teach this. And then I thought, oh, well, I, I, I've taken a lot of classes and I know I can get up in front of people because I had a career as a, a musical comedy actress first. So that's what I thought I wanted to do was sing and dance for a living. 
found it boring. So I fell into finance. Who knew? Yeah. But, well, you know, uh, when it comes to finance, it, I mean, I feel like the work that you're doing is really transformational work. You know, you're asking people to uh, really change their their thinking and their beliefs and their approach. Yeah. But because yeah. finance, it's such a tangible result, right? It's mm-hmm. it's not just about like, yo, dream this and change your dreams. But it's like, here, are you making more money or are you not making more money? Right. Or, or are you, yeah. you know, are you serving your own goals or are you not? So it's, I yeah. love the balance between the, um, the affirmation work, the inner work and the external bottom line. Yes. It's like if you are doing the internal work, the transformational work, the affirmations, the spiritual work, you're going to have more money to count. It's just clear mm-hmm. that it's working. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have more money to count, then we have to look at what's going on underneath that. What is the reason why you're afraid to make more money? So somebody told me years ago that if you have something you said you want and you don't have it, it's because there's something else you're afraid you will lose if you get that other thing. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I can't make more money or I won't find a husband. All right? Yes. Or, you know, things like that. It's like you think somewhere you've made a decision that these things are mutually exclusive. And so you keep yourself from attaining the goal that you say you really want and you're working for. So that all needs to be examined, too. And so in your, in your courses, in your courses, you do that, you do that with people. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I'll only have a maximum of eight people in a class. My classes are all on the phone. Like we're talking now, Mm -hmm. it's just a group conference line. So everybody's very private. They don't have to say anything. I don't ever say, okay, everybody's going to clear the amount of their debt now. Mm -hmm. I don't do stuff like that. Yes, right. (laughs) People do want to declare it and they want some help and some Mm -hmm. feedback about how to get out of that situation. And it just becomes such a bonded group. It's really fun and everybody helps everybody. I I always tell people, you're going to learn as much from the other participants in this class as you will from me. Absolutely, because truly anything that each person would voice is playing itself out in the other people as well in some form, right? You know, everyone, because everyone's looking for a new relationship to how they're operating financially. Yes. Yes. Which is why after 29 years of doing this class, I'm still interested in doing it. It's still fun for me every single time because it isn't just by rote. I don't play a recording. I know some coaches have a teleclass and they play a recording. I don't do that. I'm last week that I can share that makes a good story. Um, it's just, it's always very individualized. And sometimes I get a group and everybody's gone through a divorce and is, you know, reinventing themselves. And sometimes I'll get a group where everybody's struggling to decide on whether they should do this or that. It's just all very interesting. Yeah. You know, I heard on the radio the other day, and I don't know if I'm going to be quoting the statistic, um, 
exactly accurately, but um, they were saying that right now about 60% of families, should they get a sudden bill of $400, could not come up with that amount of money without having to sell something. I know. That's shocking. I saw that too. And that, the, and that number is only increasing. So most families are living in such a way that they can't even accommodate $400 of unexpected, um, unexpected uh, bill. The statistics I read all the time are just frightening because dollars in savings. I mean, stuff like that. And the numbers change a little bit, but pretty much everybody's in debt in some way and we're ruining our youth right now we're ruining them because it costs so much to go to college they leave college with this humongous debt hanging over them and then they're this is the time in their 20s and 30s when they're supposed to be getting married and having children buying a home and saving for retirement as well as well as that's right, as well as exploring what is their career actually going to be. What's it going to look right. like? Yeah. Then they get trapped and they're just a slave to a paycheck. Ugh. I get so upset about it all. In your book, The Wealthy Spirit, you talk about six keys to removing all stress about money. Can you yeah. briefly talk us through those? Because I know that... Um, our listeners are, I'm sure, very intrigued about how uh, how they can um, have less financial stress. Yes. Um, let me just say one thing about the saving for retirement thing, which is where I was, is that what I really advocate is that people have savings and investments, they have Social Security, they have some maybe pension or retirement plan, and then maybe they'll have work that they love to do that they get paid for also. So, and then you can have some residual income, like I have three books, so that pays me too. So combine all of those things and you have a real retirement income. But you created it, it isn't just all in socks and bonds that feels very foreign to mm-hmm. me. Yes. So that closes that out. So the six keys. First one is think positive, which we covered here. Mm-hmm. The second one is send out shits. That's my euphemism for taking positive action. Because you can't wait for your shit to come in if you never send any out. Yes. So, and the third one is count your money, which is keep track of it. So many people never have a budget. They don't know what's in their savings account or their checking account. What do you mean I'm out of money? I still have checks. You know, that's the thing. So I say budget stands for baby, you deserve getting everything. Mm, Nice. Maybe not all today. So I advise people to have not one, not two, but three different budgets. Mm -hmm. I have complicated names to them, low, medium, and high. Mm -hmm. Right? Then each month you choose which budget you're on. People don't want to budget because they're afraid they're going to be on low budget and stuck with that forever. No, you're on low budget this month. Okay, what can I do to get myself on a high budget next month or at least medium? So that's the, the idea behind that. 
for swim with dolphins and avoid shark and tuna. We covered that earlier, too. Mm-hmm. Five, survive the storm. That's building resiliency. That's knowing that that you had a failure isn't your fault, or maybe there were some things of it that were your fault, but so what? Learn from it and start over and do it again. Do it better, do it faster, do it more often. Whatever needs to change, change it. But don't just go home weeping and say, oh, well, I'll never be a success because I had this one failure. It's like people, if they want to be in a small business, you've got to make sales. You've got to find people who want what you have and are willing to pay for it. So marketing and sales becomes a large part of anybody's job who owns a small business. Not everybody's going to say yes. And you better be able to take it when you hear no. I had a a vice president of sales at Walt Disney years ago told me, he said, let's say you have a $500 item and it takes you talking to 10 people before you make the sale. You've got to hear the no nine times before you hear the yes for $500. Mm -hmm. He said, but in actuality, because it takes 10 phone calls to make a sale, each phone call, you're making 50 bucks. Hmm. So treat the no is okay, I just made 50 bucks because I'm closer to that 10 calls, it's going to be the sale. I love that way of looking at it. It is, and it just means that that person has the determination that they will make a sale, no matter what how long it's going to take because maybe it'll take 20 calls maybe it'll take 30 calls you know i've worked in the film business for many years and it to sell a script can take many 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 calls but you have to have the you have to hold that determination that any that next call could be it right that next that next uh person could say yes See, and that, there's nobody more optimistic than actors. Today could be the day. This audition could be the one that makes me a star. This series could be the one that makes me this one. Yes. It's always, what are, what are you up for next? So, you know, you hear no a lot. Somebody said to me once, well, all that acting, all those auditions where you got rejected, that must have given you a large steel spine and it helps you market and sell your business. I said, yeah, because mm-hmm. I don't take the no personally. It's they don't need what I have. That's it's so okay. important. Just... It's so important. And especially when you're doing work, because, you know, a lot of the people that I know are artists of one sort or another or some kind yeah. of, you know, healers or health practitioners. And because the your work is your art. It is your expression. It's very difficult not to take it personally. Um, and the ability to not take things personally, not to take the rejection personally, I think is so key to resilience, right? You know, if I was such a sensitive person growing up, I wanted, I thought I had to get a hundred percent that everybody had to love me or I was doing something Mm -hmm. wrong. It took me a long time to figure out that everybody doesn't love Mother Teresa, okay, but that doesn't mean she's doing anything wrong. It's just some people are not your people. There's just two kinds of people, not your people and your people. I love so that. I'm looking for my people, and if people turn me down, I go, oh, not my people. Mm-hmm. I'm certainly not in the wrong. At least, you know, I've developed that confidence to see that I've helped enough people 
that I'm doing something right, but maybe not for you. It's okay if you say no. I don't care. I only need 50 people a year. Mm-hmm. There's 9 million people just in LA. I'm not going to run out. Yeah. The only, and this is true for everybody, the only thing that stops you is you won't get on the phone and call that many people. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine said, that's why I never took ballet lessons, because I wasn't willing to be bad at it as long as it was going to take for me to get good at it. Oh, that's so true. Isn't that just, it gave me chills when she said it, and I wrote it down, and I say it all the time. It's like the history of the Eagles, the documentary of the rock group. Mm-hmm. At one point, Glenn Fry is talking about his early days, and his friend Pete Seeger said, well, you've got to write songs. And he says, really? I, have to, I don't know how to write songs. Well, you better learn to start doing it. And Glenn said, well, what if you're bad? And Pete goes, oh, you're going to be bad. There's no way you're going to write a good song bang out of the gate. It's like you're going to make all kinds of mistakes, and they're going to be terrible. But then one day, by accident, you'll write a good one, and then you'll write another one. And that's the secret of success in the music business. In so many businesses, especially in the arts. And actually one hopes that that um, you can make your mistakes quietly, you know, or that you can, you, you can have an opportunity to learn your craft where you don't have to be so exposed all the time. I think, but you know, you especially do. now you with... You have to be exposed. You, they tell okay. you in acting class right away, you're going to, you've got to be willing to look foolish or yeah. you'll never be any good. And do it large is what you're saying. And do it big, yeah. Let me just make this choice and do it huge. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but I'll learn something. Yeah. If I'm afraid to try, I learn nothing. Right, and so then that gets translated to people willing to take financial risks as well, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, because you don't make any money. It takes money to make money. That's one of those old things that happens to be true. Yes. you gotta, you got to make an investment. You know, people want to start a business, but they don't have any money. I said, well, you got to wait. Get, do the grunt work. Go get a day job. Save your money. Live on nothing. You know, eat peanut butter every day. And, uh, and save some money so that you can afford to invest in your business. Because you're going to need a website, you're going to need a marketing person. Well, you can do your own marketing, but doing your own marketing means paying fees to go to business lunches and networking groups and stuff like that. It takes some money. But that aside, let me just tell you, most of the people that I know who went into business for themselves just knew they might not have a lot of money, but they are going to have to make this work. And so they're willing to do the uncomfortable things, like make a lot of phone calls to sell people. And, uh, you know, that's what kept me going when I decided to do this workshop business. I, I would get tired. I would hear too many no's in a row. And I'd sit back in my chair and go, I don't know if this is going to work. And then the voice in my ear spoke up and said, yeah, and then you got to go get a job. Mm-hmm. And I went, horror, that would be the worst thing in the world, and I get back on the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's two points of discomfort that you're talking about, the discomfort of having to make those calls and having to really, yeah. you know, take those action steps, as well as the discomfort that can come from changing how you think, 
right? Yes. You know, back to the positive thinking and the resistance that we have to actually changing our belief system about what's possible. Yes. And it's really uncomfortable to change. I mean, somebody told me what's the... Uh, the only thing that likes change is a wet baby, and yeah. they cry about it. <laughs> yeah, Mark Twain said that. Um, Did he? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's uh, it is it's very true, and that's you know the work that I'm doing with changeability is you know helping people reframe exactly. how they look at change and how they move with change, and but there's still you you know no matter how much you reframe it, you still have to step in, right? Well, at some here's point. here's the thing. It's being outside your comfort zone, right? Your comfort zone is where you don't have to change. Everything outside of that, you're changing. And it's not comfortable. But people don't stress that it's going to be uncomfortable out there. So people go out there and it's not comfortable and they go back in. Yeah. Yeah. And they go, oh, this won't work for me. It's too uncomfortable. Well, it only becomes comfortable after you do it for a while. Like, I can pick up the phone and talk to anybody. I don't care. I believe that, I've been yes. i for 29 years. Uh-huh. If only I had had the skill when I was an actor, I'd probably be a famous actor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, but this is what it took to but learn, right? That that. Yeah, this is what it took. So let's go to number yeah. six. Yes, number six. Seek balance and enlightenment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like people forget to take time off. Like, uh, I'll take time off when I retire. I'll travel when I retire. Well, a lot of people don't get to age 65. 29% of the American public dies before age 65. I know. People don't want to look that in the face, but everybody just assumes, oh, and then the thing we get from the media now is gonna, everybody's going to live to 100. No, no, no. Everybody's not going to live to 100. The percentage of Americans who are age 65 and over, I ask people how many they think that is. And they guess 30, 40%. Some people have said 50% because they've heard, oh, the baby boomers are retiring and, you know, 10,000 a day are retiring. Well, that may be true, but let me tell you, it's only 13% of the population. Is what? age 65 and over. What? Yeah, 13%. That's 2010 census data. I, I had to really research on the web before I could find that statistic. Because all I found were, you know, financial people talking about, oh, everybody's going to lose to 100. And I knew it wasn't so. Yeah, 13%. Age 75 and over, it goes down to 6.5%. I'm so, really surprised because I know a lot I of know. people who are that age and older. So, well, yeah. I'm seventy. Well, next next uh, month I'm going to be seventy-one. Happy birthday! Thank you. <laughs> and do I sound like I'm done to you? Like I just want to sit in a rocking chair somewhere? No, I don't think so. no unless you, unless you unless you use it as a launch pad, <laughs> unless you use that rocker like rock rock and launch, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll be making a business out of rocking chairs or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. Yeah. Well, it so has been... I want people to live now. It's like Socrates said, the unexamined life isn't worth living. Well, I say the unlived life isn't worth examining. 
You bet. Don't even look at it. Yeah, so spend the money. Go on the cruise. Yeah. You know, and figure out a way to make the money for it, okay? Um, save some money so you can do that or, you know, just go for it. Most businesses were built on other people's money, OPM. Everybody wants to, how old am I business when I save enough? No, no, no. Get some investors. Use a credit card, you know. A lot of people built very big businesses by using credit. Mm -hmm. Bill Gates didn't build Microsoft on his savings. Yeah. He got the Bank of America and a whole bunch of rich investors along with him. It's, and it goes back to that thing that you were saying about selling, that you have, you know, if you can get other people on board to invest in you, it means that your idea is appealing to people. Yes. Yeah. It's a very good sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good sign. Yeah. Yeah. So it is such a delight to talk to you, and it's just wonderful. I could talk to you for Karen, a... Karen, I love talking to you, too. You're I know. wonderful. It's just great. I'm so glad we met... <laughs> uh, yes. So um, before we end, can you please tell people how they can find you, how they can learn more about your trainings, find your books, let them know. Everything is at my very easy website address, which is my first name. It's Shelly.com. Shelly is spelled C-H-E-L-L-I-E. C-H-E-L-L-I-E, and my email is Chelly at Chelly.com. So if you get the spelling of my first name, you got me forever. <laughs> and then on my website, I've got um, a recent free teleclass I did called Confidence, Charisma, Clients, and Cash. And you can register for that and get the recording. You can get my fabulous 14 Abundance Affirmations. All of that's free. So, and you can sign up for my once-a-week newsletters if you like. And the books are all on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, everywhere. So, and Fantastic. they're on my website, too, which you can click on whichever vendor you want to go to. And Fantastic. Just, well, you truly are providing a service for people in a very very important way and i thank you so much for being involved in um in this level of change with people thank you and thank you for providing this kind of a service for people so they can learn more about these kinds of issues and be your help as, as you help them lend a helping hand to their change so good on you thanks sharon oh thank you this has been Passing for Normal, conversations about change. If you like our podcast, please leave a review on iTunes or SoundCloud. It helps our audience to grow. To find out more about author Sharon Weil, go to SharonWeilAuthor.com. You can also find out more about the Changeability books and about all the guests featured in this podcast at that website. Large or small, go out today and make a brave change. Dare to bring new ideas forward. Our world needs you right now.